Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So the death rate in the United States has been about the same level since 1990. Uh, Within the last uh, two years, since the summer of love in 2020, uh, where we saw upticks in violent crime in America in general, um, But prior to that, we have seen a decline for 30 years in violent crime and crime in general in America. People don't realize that. Yeah, this was a much more dangerous country in the 70s and 80s. Way more people per capita being murdered, being assaulted. I mean, there was like, I think there was like a serial killer in every town, it seemed like at least, right? Um, the, uh, The death rate, though, has hovered about the same since 1990. Heart disease cancer, and chronic lower respiratory diseases are the leading causes of death. Heart disease, cancer, and chronic lower respiratory diseases. The rate of death by cancer is higher than the homicide rate. You are more likely to die of cancer than of a homicide. The people have, it's the same thing with COVID. It's about risk assessment and the perception of risk, right? The same, the, the same fear, you know, Dean called in earlier and was talking about, oh, my gosh, you know, the media is and they, they promote all this and they sell fear and all this. Yeah. I mean, the wall to wall coverage. Right. It, it it's it's there for a reason. People want to watch it and people want to watch it because they're afraid and they want more information and then, of course, the politicization of it. You get to tag your political adversaries as the cause of this terrible thing so you can advance policy. I mean, that's the, you know, the, the dark side of it all. But, yeah, I mean, people are, are terrified of, right, the, the world ending due to climate change within, well, it was already, I guess we're already dead. Well, because net neutrality killed us a couple of years ago. And then climate change or global warming was supposed to, well, the, actually, the ice age killed us all. Then global warming killed us again. Um, now it's just climate change, which I think is when it gets warm and cold or when we have weather, just in general. So that's going to get us. Right Then, of course, the leading killer is heart disease. And after that, it's cancer, lower respiratory diseases. You know what the homicide rate is in America compared to the cancer rate in America? If you take 100,000 people in America, 100,000 people, so basically, let's do it. Uh, how about this? The, like the town of Rock Hill, right? Or the city of Rock Hill. Sorry, I don't mean to say town. But I think there's somewhere around 90, 95,000 people, roughly. So let's say a, a city the size of Rock Hill and maybe the greater Rock Hill metro area. <laughs> uh, 100,000 people there, okay? Out of that 100,000 people, 150 of them are going to get cancer and die. 150 out of the whole city. You know how many people are going to die of a homicide in Rock Hill? Six and a half. Round up to seven. 
Seven. That's the comparison. So that tells you the magnitude of order, right? The, the, the chances of you dying at the, by, by a homicide, let alone a mass shooting, right? Let alone a mass shooting, which is like 1% of all gun deaths. It's very, very low. But people have this idea that they're being hunted. We heard a caller in the last program. There was some woman called in and said that, you know, people are being hunted now. This is, this is partly the media. It is partly politicians. But it's also like you're only going to be afraid of these things if you don't know the information. So people have to be aware of this information. That's why I always say whenever we talk about crime statistics uh, and mass shooting events and the like, I always mention that you are way more likely to be murdered by somebody you know, and it's way more likely that you're going to be murdered by somebody in your own racial demographic. Okay? So this idea that you're being hunted down based on the color of your skin or whatever, that's not to say it doesn't happen. Of course it does happen. But you don't, you don't cite every anecdote as evidence of this widespread problem. Right? Anecdotal evidence, yes, is evidence, but it doesn't prove that this thing is widespread especially when the actual data says it's not. It is not. Is it horrible? Absolutely. Are there things we can do to minimize the risk? Absolutely. But people don't want to listen to any solutions that are outside of, you know, what they prefer, which is gun registration, gun confiscation, taking weapons, which is weird to me. The people who are all about taking the guns are also the ones who believe that Trump was a tyrant and a fascist. Why would you give up your guns? You know, Trump could win again. If he wins again and the fascisty tyrant is in there, you're going to want some guns. Again, uh, Ken has some solutions to gun violence. Ken, welcome to the program. Hey, Pete, how are you? Hey, I'm good. So you got some solutions for us? Well, I want to make a couple of points. Uh, You had a caller named Mark couple calls ago and he was talking about people that are if you're caught you know on tape red-handed about committing a murder i mean we're talking about ironclad solid proof Mm -hmm. talking about moving them to the head of the line and i'm all for that for the death penalty absolutely Mm -hmm. and make it quicker than 12 months as he suggested you know make it uh 12 weeks that's more than enough time if you're caught red-handed i mean if there's some but gray you really, area in there sure oh but that's the problem ken it's like that's the that it's it, that is a it's a it's going to be a different standard case by case right like right because all the facts of every case are going to be different and so yes in this anecdote uh hypothetically yeah you got some guy who walks up to another one on camera shoots and kills him looks at the camera shows his uh his uh driver's license and so like yeah we know it's him right right um but not every case is going to be like that, and then you're going to get into these gray areas like you called them, and then juries are going to be deciding this stuff, and prosecutors are going to be deciding this stuff, and, and it gets murky. And, like, I've gone back and forth on the death penalty over my life, but, um, like, I don't trust GovCo to do much of anything, let alone take a life. So, Well, I understand your point about that, yeah. but I'm talking about absolute ironclad. Like you said, if there's no doubt who the shooter was... You know, it's time to eliminate this guy. It's time to eliminate him and do it quickly, do it swiftly. I've been to other countries when I was in the service. That's how they deal with crime over there. I've called you before, and you were asking me solutions. Well, I want to bring up another point, and you mentioned 
a while ago about George Soros. Yeah. Now, George Soros is just one of a few people uh, about, he's definitely a globalist, mm-hmm. no question about it. And his money is the driving agenda about bringing down this country. He makes no bones about that. So what I think we ought to do, we need to cut the head off the snake for one. There's enough intel out there to know where he is. Uh, you could send an ex-SEAL team or anybody from special What forces. are you talking about, assassinating somebody? Absolutely. That is no. collateral damage. No, Ken. Well, you're talking about one man. No, I'm not talking about, no, Ken, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about assassinating anybody. Well, I am on this case. Yeah, well, no. Well, why is that? Because it's against the law. You don't think laws have been broken to assassinate other leaders? So that he's not a leader, though. He's he's a private citizen. He's rich, and he's funding a whole bunch of stuff that I don't like. But no, you don't get to go and murder people that you disagree with. Well, you don't have to. Well, what? So how about that? Well, what about uh, the Koch brothers? So why can't the left? Do you think the left, if given this kind of uh, uh, room to run, you think they're not going to start whacking conservative donors? Well, I'm sure they. I'm sure that's crossed their mind. Also. Oh, I'm sure it has too. But like, you don't. I mean, but that's that's the insanity. I mean, if you like, what you're talking about is the breakdown of order, and if you're talking about the breakdown of order, that's war. And I'm not interested in going there. I'm not interested in war and murdering right. people. Well, you're talking about the breakdown. Well, what do you think Soros is doing? Yeah, that... breaking down this country, right? With his money, <clears throat> we know he's buying DAs, Corey mm-hmm. Bush. You know, Gavin Newsom, mm-hmm. his money is all over the place. Mm-hmm. And you look at what's going on, you know, they're ruining this country with that. Mm-hmm. They're not prosecuting the criminals. They're letting them out. You know, no cash bail. And he is behind this. He is one of several people behind it. And so you think the only way to combat that is murdering people? Because you realize, like, you, you can't limit it just to him. Because he's got family, and they're going to continue on, right? Why wouldn't you just start... Putting out hit lists and such. Well, you know these are. Is that a, is that a, is that the kind of society you want to live in, where you put up you put up hit lists where the political or do you think Antifa's not going to do that too? Do you think they're not going to start going after other people when this becomes the norm? You don't get to argue for destruction of the norms. I see your point on that. However, these are drastic measures for a drastic time. They're not. No, they're not. You're espousing criminal activity, Ken. That's what you're espousing. Okay. It's not drastic. These aren't drastic measures. You're espousing evil intent and murder. Well, we know who the evil intent is coming from. You're looking to take a life because you can't win politically. Well, Soros is not in there politically. He's an outsider. He is, he's engaging in politics with his money, absolutely. He's funding causes that he agrees with. I disagree with them. You don't get to you don't get to advocate death on people for that. Okay, where are we going to be in twenty years? If I don't know. Not done like that. I don't know. You don't either. I'm going to keep fighting though, even if it, even if we go down with the ship. Like that's. But no, I don't. I don't advocate the murdering of people that I disagree with politically. Of course not. No, that's a, that's that's the exact opposite of conservative. The exact opposite of it. Good lord! I mean, like. You're 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 literally calling into a radio station and advocating for the murder of people. I don't know I, I don't know what to tell you, Ken. That's just not a good idea. <laughs> that's, that's the nicest way I can say it.
All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? I will get to the stats on the the gun deaths are the leading cause among kids, the leading cause of death among kids. I'll get to that too. But um, first, this is how it was reported by Breitbart.com which is, uh, I would say, is bias. Um, they are only looking at one component of the study, and I suspect it's because the other component of the study doesn't line up with a particular narrative or view that they would like to espouse. And it has to do with bail reform, quote-unquote bail reform, in New York City. And so their headline is that 72% of New York City's violent crime suspects freed without bail go on to commit more crimes. That is true. That is true. According to this report that was done by uh, researchers at John Jay College of Criminal Justice, felony suspects released without bail thanks to the new bail reform law are more likely to be rearrested for more felonies, including violent crimes, than suspects who were given bail before the law went into effect. Right? That's one category. The other category are the people who did not commit violent felonies, violent crimes, serious uh, crimes, felonies, right? The other group is the misdemeanor folks. Breitbart doesn't cover them. Breitbart ignores that part of the research. Study by researchers at John Jay College of Criminal Justice reviewed cases prior to the New York law taking effect and cases after the law was implemented where most suspects arrested for crimes are not required to pay any bail to be released from jail. Oh, and remember what the point of bail is, right? The point of bail is to make sure that you show up for your court appearance. That's it. They want to make sure that you are there. To get the process underway, that's why you have a cash bail system. You lose the money if you don't show. That's the whole point. So, overall, the study found that 47% of New York City suspects that were previously charged with felonies got rearrested for crimes, 47%, including more than 31% of whom were rearrested for felonies. More than 17% rearrested for violent crimes, 4% rearrested for firearm charges, right? In all three of these categories that they're talking about, that Breitbart is focusing on, felonies, violent crimes, and firearm charges, felony suspects had a higher rate of rearrest after they got released without bail than the same group of people that got arrested prior to the, quote, reforms. Does that make sense? Right? So the bail reform, quote, unquote, that was cashless bail that allowed everybody to just kind of, you know, walk through the turnstile. People who were engaged in the more violent criminal activity, they engaged in more violent activity afterwards. However, I went to the, to the actual report, and what they also found 
The results indicate that eliminating bail for select misdemeanor and nonviolent felony charges significantly reduces recidivism, which is the reoffense, reoffending rate. So it's way down for misdemeanors. So the, the so the reform might actually be working, but for the nonviolent people. This makes total sense. A conversation about assassinating George Soros was a great one to have. After all, we assassinated bin Laden for essentially the same thing. No, we didn't. It causes me to ask an overall question in this country. The penalty for treason is death. By definition, treason. Yeah, yeah. if they are adjudicated as such. The legitimate government in this country is the Constitution. I think the current people who run GovCo now think it's them personally and their beliefs until we can decide conclusively which on that is. There will always be people on both sides calling for the death and destruction of the other. The firearms debate is caught up in the crosshairs of that question as it'll decide whether both sides have equal access to them. Um, that's from Stan. Right. Like, yeah, I, I seek to conserve the institutions. I am not a proponent of radical change. I am not a proponent of murder. I am not a proponent of the breakdown of uh, the rule of law. I don't like if you're looking for if you're looking to find somebody uh, to validate those ideas that you have, I, I could tell you I am I am not your guy for that. Sorry. Not sorry. Not your guy for that. Um, so this uh, this cashless bail or this bail reform system that New York City has implemented. And what's the upshot? John Jay uh, College of uh, Criminal Justice. They did a comparison. They did an analysis and they looked at all of the people that got arrested before the bail reform was put in place and the people who got arrested after the bail reform was put in place. And they looked at their rates of recidivism. In other words, their reoffending rates. And what they found was overall, the results indicate that eliminating bail for select misdemeanor nonviolent felony charges reduced recidivism. But it reduced it for the misdemeanor charged people Uh, like that demographic. Those people who were engaged in the misdemeanor criminal activity, they did not reoffend. They they did not. It wasn't a revolving door for them. The violent offenders. Yes, more so for them. They they were like, oh, good, I'm not punished. And they went out to reoffend. So in a rational world, (laughs) right, we would take this information and we would say, okay. Let's set up, I, th- I forget who it was that set up a dual track system. They want to set up a dual, Mark, I think it was, set up a dual track. And you got fast tracking people with the gun crimes and you get the uh, the other track of people, right, where it takes longer to work their way through the system. So it seems to me like you could set up a dual track here, right, where you've got, I'm skipping ahead here, the results indicate the estimated impact of eliminating bail varied across key subgroups defined by their charge severity or criminal history, right? So the more serious the charges and the more lengthy their rap sheet was a pretty good indicator that they would likely reoffend. This is not new information, by the way. We've known this for a very, very, very long time. It is a small portion of the population that is committing a large percentage of the crime. Repeat, or uh, uh, the former uh, host here at, at WBT, Keith Larson, used to call them the repeat, 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 repeat offenders, right? This small group that commits a disproportionate amount of the overall crime. How about we go after them? Right? How about we focus our energies on the most violent reoffenders? Hmm? Um, 
the uh, across multiple platforms, the reform's mandatory release provisions significantly reduced rearrest for people charged with misdemeanors without a recent prior arrest, without a recent violent felony arrest, and without a pending case. Right. So if those if that if that's you, if you get busted for some misdemeanor and you don't have a recent prior arrest, you don't have a recent felony arrest, violent felony arrest, and you don't have a pending case, chances are you're going to show back up for your court case. Right. Which is the whole point of bail. And uh, you're not going to reoffend. Conversely, mandatory release significantly increased rearrest across multiple outcomes for people with a recent violent arrest and with a pending case at the time of the current arraignment. That's one of the things is like once you you start racking up the arrests and they're all like all these cases are pending, they just keep stacking because you can't clear them out. And so you, you got all these cases like you see some of these people waiting for their trials down at the DA's or down at the courthouse rather. And it's like they're facing trial for like 17 different charges, all these different cases. They just keep on stacking. Let me go to RJ here. Hello, RJ. Welcome to the show. RJ. Hey, I'm good. What's going on? I'm just driving down the road listening to you like I always do. Well, thank you. I'm a truck driver. I drive down the road listening to you every day. Well, I appreciate that. Stay safe, man. I wanted to, I just wanted to make a comment on, you know, you were, you were talking about, you know, the people who want to take the guns away from everybody, and, and, and you made a comment about, oh, you that certain amount of people would voluntarily turn them in, and, and then the people who weren't, wouldn't turn them in, uh, there would end up being bloodshed. I think you understated that. Oh, yeah, there would be uh, massive amounts of bloodshed. It would, it would be on par with the Civil War. Yeah. Because I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the Second Amendment. I know you don't own guns, but you still you're a libertarian. No, I do. So you what do you, no, I, RJ, I, uh, I own guns. Oh, do you? Yeah, I'm a concealed carry holder as well. Oh, 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 oh. Actually, I, I am not. I believe to carry it loud and proud. I'd rather somebody seize it and don't mess with me than have to pull it and use it. I, ah. See, I, I uh, hold a gun in, in, in anger. You know, I hunt, I target you, you know. Yeah. But the thing is, there is a lot, and I mean a lot, just people I know of people that are firm believers in the Second Amendment and know that that's there to keep us safe from the government. Right, yeah, from tyranny. They, yeah. Would, they would not voluntarily give their guns up. Well, you see... Have to kill them to take them. Right, now, I see, I would... See, I would totally voluntarily give up my guns if the government told me to, but the problem is I lost them all in a boating accident. They all fell overboard. I've heard that 17 million times. I've seen that on Twitter. I don't know how many times. Right, yeah. I lost mine in a helicopter accident. There you go. (laughs) There you go. That's all right, RJ. I appreciate the call, buddy. Stay safe on the road, sir. Okay. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's... No, I mean, like, I ha- this, and this is why people oppose the gun registration lists for that very reason. And by the way, there was a, a book several years ago came out talked about the gun confiscation uh, in the uh, in Nazi Germany, right? When the originally the when the Nazis were on their uh, on the rise, the government at the time was trying to stop them, and so they created their gun registration lists. If I remember the story correctly, right, that they created their registration lists in order to prevent the bad guys, you know, from getting guns. They wanted to make sure they knew all the Nazis and want to make sure all the Nazis didn't have any of the guns, right? And then they lost the election, 
<laughs> and now the Nazis are in charge. And guess who has the list? The Nazis. So now they knew who had the guns. And the stories where people, would, they, did the, they did a gun buyback or a turn-in program, and people would go on down to the local government office, got their gun in their hand, turning them in, shot dead by the Nazis. Well, they had a gun. Yeah. I mean, maybe they were also a double-plus ungood person for some reason, maybe Jewish or something, and so they just got shot in the middle of the road. So then you had people that were on the registration list that wanted to give the guns back were, but were afraid that they were going to get killed if they attempted to do so. So then they didn't, and then, of course, the Nazis show up at the house because they know who's got the guns. Yeah, this is why people don't like the idea of a gun registration list, and just because you can't fathom it happening doesn't mean it hasn't happened <laughs> in the world. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Yeah, here we go. This is from Tim up at Old Grouch's Military Surplus uh, in Western North Carolina. He says, around Western North Carolina, when people show up to court with a bunch of charges, the DAs almost always will take a plea deal for three charges and then drop the rest to the point where the frequent flyers in the system have coined the saying, after three, it's free. We have been under a pretrial release program put in place by our senior Superior Court Judge Bradley let him go Letts. So it's been re a revolving door up here. People keep getting arrested and released and their public defenders keep getting continuances on their court dates. So when they finally go to court for the first charge, eight to ten months later, they've racked up a bunch more in the meantime. And then they give them a plea deal where they drop all but two or three of them. And then all of those dropped charges don't show up in crime stats that show convictions, so they look like a lot less crime occurs. Yep. This is what The Wire called. Remember the, uh, the documentary on HBO called The Wire? Um, Juicing the Stats. That's what it's called. Juice in the stats. Uh, what was the story? I think I did it a couple days ago. It was in the Charlotte Observer. They ran a big analysis on the uh, Mecklenburg DA's office dropping like, what was it, like 57% of all the charges and even more are coming because they, they never caught up from the backlog during COVID. And so that's it. They're Yeah, they're just going to start dropping like thousands of charges against people. And so what is that going to look like for our crime stats? Well, it's going to undercount it. So we are actually living in a more dangerous city than is reflected by the data. Garbage in, garbage out. Um, what is this? Uh, I don't know if the statute still exists, but in Virginia, it used to be an automatic five years added to anything if a gun was used while committing a crime. Mid to late 90s. It made a huge difference. As I recall, it may have been isolated to Arlington, Virginia, it's called like Archangel or something. Wasn't the whole state. Right. So, uh, yeah, like there are things you can do. If you're trying to reduce gun violence, then you increase the penalties for the gun violence. 
Because even if it doesn't act as a deterrent in all cases, it gets more people put on the prohibited list, which means more of an opportunity to get them off the streets. If you've got people that have been committing crimes with firearms and they keep on doing so, getting them off the streets reduces, yes, the violent crimes committed with guns. That's how that works. It's another way to get them off the streets. And I don't care what race they are, what gender they are. I don't care. Again, if your interest is in reducing gun deaths, that's an idea. Oh, no, no, Pete, not that idea. So then we've heard a lot about this stat, that gun deaths are now, firearm-related deaths involving juveniles and young adults, they are now the number one cause of all kid deaths, right? Okay. So the NRA breaks this down for you. Here's, here is the stats. All right. So the CDC releases its 2020 fatal injury data. Okay. As with overall violent crime, firearm-related violence increased in 2020 alongside the conscious implementation of soft-on-crime criminal justice policies. However, anti-gun researchers and the media abused the CDC's data to create misleading headlines that blared guns were the leading cause of death among children and teens. Well, when you look at the injuries to actual children or kids ages 1 to 14, firearm-related injuries are not the leading cause of death. And they're not higher than motor vehicle deaths either. The number of motor vehicle deaths in this age group is more than 60% higher than firearm-related deaths among kids ages 1 to 14. When you examine the most generous, reasonable definition of what a child is, ages 1 to 17, motor vehicle deaths are still higher than firearm-related deaths. So how do you get, how do you get from, from that to this stat that firearm deaths are the number one cause of deaths for kids? you got to add in 18- and 19-year-olds. An overwhelming 83% of the firearm-related deaths that occur in the 1-19 to age group are in the 15-19 to age range. Not surprising, right? 15-19 to cohort is far more often engaged in the kind of street crime that can give rise to firearm-related violence. And many jurisdictions have decided to address in a more lenient manner in recent years. North Carolina Republicans did this, right? They they they, uh, they they reduce the uh, the ability of DAs to charge as adults juveniles right. The conflation of this age group with actual children is even more absurd when you consider that in the vast majority of uh, jurisdictions, those 15 and older can still be prosecuted as adults. A longtime anti-gun researcher at the Harvard Injury Control Research Center named David Hemingway published a piece at the New England Journal of Medicine. Oops, sorry about that. Uh, the article. Uh, said uh, firearm injuries are the most common cause of death among children, adolescents, and young adults between 1 and 24. 1 and 24. So that's, so they push, the, they push the outer edge of that age, age range to 24 years old in order to get this stat. But when you actually look at just kids ages 1 to 14, 1 to 15, it's not. It's not. This is, again, juicing the stats. Because they have an idea of where they want to go, and everything has to get filtered through that prism to get them there. 